Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Kansas City bassist Rick Willoughby. He has been playing stringed instruments for most of his life. He began playing the violin at the age of three and then discovered his love for the string bass at the age of 11. In 2004, he graduated from the University of Missouri-Kansas City's Conservatory of Music with a BFA in jazz performance under the sage guidance of Bobby Watson. During his time at UMKC, Rick had the privilege of studying also with veteran Kansas City jazz bass luminary, Gerald Spades. For the last 20 years, Rick has either been a band leader or in the band around the greater Kansas City area and has had the privilege of touring the country with various groups. Known well for his time with Quixotic, Victor and Penny and the Loose Change Orchestra, founding member of the Snow Globes and so many other projects. We caught up with them at the Casey Beer Company during a performance with Brahm and Peter Schlam. And he talked about Brahm's influence and many things that we wanted to dig into. And we did just that. Enjoy this interview. Hey, it's great to see you, man. Thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the, uh, the invite. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. So you are a prolific performer in this town i want to kind of get to the root of that so sure. we'll start with right now as a couple of existentialists and then we'll work our way back so first, okay. and, first and foremost what's been going on lately with you the snow globes are going on my friend okay. i like it <laughs> <laughs> we are we are a christmas uh, folk group if you will um this is our 14th season and we're getting ready to do a big performance at crown center the fourth level the grand theater it's actually almost sold out, so I, I've actually been spending the morning kind of working on logistics for that, getting uh, stage plots ready and all the tech stuff. I'm trying to get all the tech in place this week, and then when I, once I go into next week, I'll be focusing on creative visuals and everything and do all the fun, pretty pictures to make sure that this concert pops, because I think we're expecting about 500 people. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I, I, I've got a lot going yeah. <laughs> currently. Sounds like it. So I don't. So just for context, we ran into each other during a performance of Peter Schlam and Brom Winans at the Casey Beer Company. And um, at that time, I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but my wife and I got married in that. It's the MTH Theater, isn't it? Uh, so it's not the MTH Theater. It's the Grand Theater. It's it's okay. it is run by MTH though. Okay. Did you get Did you get married like basically right in front of the box office? No, we got married on the stage. Oh, well, of that theater, I guess yes. is my question. Yeah, yeah okay. so, so it is a different in, theater than that one. Okay, yeah. So we got we got it, it was it was all stage set up. It was like they were watching a performance and uh, had the reception and everything. There it was it was wonderful, man. It was such a such a good time. Very very cool. Um, well, yeah, we're we're quite looking forward to this. And uh, MTH is heavily involved uh, with this production as well, more on the ticketing and logistics side, but um, they are. They are lovely hosts for the yes. evening. Yes. So, Rick, you are Kansas City through and through. You've been around quite a bit. And, you know, obviously in the context of what we're doing here is jazz, but you've kind of traversed so many different genres and musical worlds in your life. So what I want to do is I want to start at the very beginning. Tell me where you were born and raised and how this love of music and the bass and 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 being in this world, how did it start for you? Uh, great, great question. Thank you. Um I was born here in Kansas City um, at, I believe, St. Luke's or St. Joseph's or one of the saints here in, uh, here in <laughs> <Yes>. town. I <laughs> uh, grew, grew up in Lee Summit. Um, uh, a thing has occurred just recently over the summer, and it, I was kind of like mentally leading up to it and then sort of forgot about it and then remembered about it in the fall. Um, on my birthday in August, I had then played music for 40 years. 
I started playing violin when I was three years old, and I don't feel as though I'm old enough to have done anything for 40 years, <laughs> but uh, apparently that's the case. So yeah, I began playing um, violin when I was three, sort of started in the Suzuki method, as many do, and then quickly got thrown into the bluegrass class, which was great. You know, completely playing by ear, improvisation, you know, just sort of like growing your mental capacity for music at a young, young, young age. And um, didn't read, didn't learn to read music until I got into the school system. And uh, ironically, uh, once I got into fourth grade and began uh, school orchestra, my mom was my teacher. She taught uh, strings in the Lee Summit School District for 30 years, um, always at the elementary level and always like, through various schools. And she was my teacher for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Wow. And then um, when I got into the sixth grade, this whole time she had been teaching privately out of her home. She teaches cello. She's an extremely fine cello player. Um, she has a master's degree. She plays in the Lee Summit Symphony. She's you know plays all over town. Uh, sometimes more than I do. Um, it, it doesn't really matter how far my career goes or where I am. I will always be Mrs. Willoughby's son. <laughs> we, we've traveled you know hundreds of miles and shown up in a restaurant and someone's like, oh, Mrs. Willoughby, you're here. <laughs> so any anyhow. Um, someone had brought an upright bass to our home uh, during a cello lesson. I, I asked, hey, can I play this thing? And he was like, absolutely. Um, thought it was kind of cool and um, tried out for the after school orchestra. And I believe I was the only bass player that tried out. So they're like, great, you're in. And um, I actually took to it pretty quick. And this was when I was about 12. A year later, I was 13 and uh, got my first electric bass. And that's kind of when things really started taking off. I started playing in like high school bands as a junior high kid and, you know, really, really started excelling in it. Um, my orchestra director, Kurt Mosier, he was a huge influence on my on this path in particular. Um, he saw something in me and and had me come play with his church band as a, as a very young person. And, you know, I, I learned to read chord charts that way and. We didn't have a jazz program, at, at least some at that time, but I, as an improviser, I was just like, well, I feel like if I can wrap my head around that, then I can play basically anything when it comes to pop, folk, jazz, any, any kind of thing, because I've always been interested in all kinds of music. And so that's kind of when I started down that path and um, ended up going to UMKC. Start, uh, I went there because of Hal Melia and Brom Winans. And then one year after that, Bobby Watson showed up. And so I kind of came in right at the, well, actually before all the things took off with UMKC, uh, Bobby ended up taking me all over the country. Um, I went to New York to the IAJE with him. He, you know, like we flew together. He, you know, walked me down the street, walked me into the the conference, the whole thing. And we couldn't take but five steps. And, and everybody was like, Bobby! Yeah, I mean, I I don't, I still don't think as as much as Bobby's done here, I still don't think people fully understand no. what a celebrity he is. He's no. he's an international superstar that happens just to live down the street, you know. Yeah, and uh, we are more than fortunate to have him here. So along that path, while I was in college, um, I had to take piano proficiency and and um, jazz piano as part of my degree, and my teacher was Brom Winans. And um, uh, unfortunately for Brum, I am really quite awful at the piano. And so he's, you know, telling me all these amazing things and I might as well just been wearing boxing gloves and punching the thing, you know. 
uh, he uh, he saw something in me that I don't think I even saw in myself, and um, I appreciate his um, his nurturing this. Uh, he always felt I had very strong time, and that has kind of led to what I do now. And he um, he's been a friend and mentor to me this this whole time. He's taken me on gigs all throughout my career, and sort of fostered this this time, if you will. Um, these days, my involvement with jazz. Unfortunately and fortunately, I suppose, depending on how you look at it, oftentimes does not involve drummers. I I am the rhythm. I am the the driver of the beat. Um, I I hold it I hold it down, and um, I'm cool with that. You know, I really I really am. It, it's it's been neat. I've played in all kinds of string bands and you know like early jazz, and I and I love playing with great drummers. I absolutely love it. But I I have to if I'm going to work with somebody, they have to be of a certain level. Otherwise, we're just we're colliding. If I can work in conjunction with someone to make time and beautiful rhythm, like I, I love nothing more. But it's cool. Like I drive I drive the beat. And um, today, most of the jazz stuff I'm involved with is um, at the the Brahm and I run a jam session every second Tuesday at Kinsey Beer Company. We have for about four or five years now, and it, it's been an absolute blast. So if anybody's looking to, you know, just come and jam, please do. Every second Tuesday, we'll be at Kansas City Beer Company. Um, all levels encouraged. We um, we don't have a sign-up sheet. So you bring your axe or you play play my bass or whatever. You just come and play as much or as little as you'd like. Uh, it's, it's very much structured on the old school Kansas City uh, jam thought and what what it heard i i just feel like the formality of the sign-up sheet and everything it, it absolutely has its place and, and it's a good way to kind of start learning your keys knowing your tempos knowing your tunes but when you get to a certain point you just need to play and that's that's what we do so i do that and um i play with uh hot club kc yep. um not as much as i'd like i i do many many different things but um i do love playing in that band quite a bit um we recently recorded uh, at the beginning of september and i know adam has been feverishly editing that record and getting it all ready to go I, i'm not exactly sure what his plans are as far as release but i can tell you we uh we recorded down at weights and measures with Dwayne trower and i i am very excited to hear this thing because i it, it was a very very cool session yeah, it's a great band. Yeah. So what was the first live show you ever saw that blew you away? Wow. Great question. That blew me away. Well, I'm while I'm thinking about that, I'm gonna tell you my first like rock concert I ever went sure. to, just because I know that story right off right off the bat. I went and saw the Mighty Mighty Boston's at Liberty wow. Hall in Lawrence when I was 13. It, wow. You know, my older friends they took me to the concert. Uh, everybody was stage diving, having a great old time. Um, security was like kind of not a thing or whatever. We were just partying, having a good time. This guy grabbed a chair from backstage and stage dive into the audience. Dickie Betts stops the entire concert and was like, hey, you, come up here. Got the guy on stage. He's like, look, man, you are ruining this for the everyone here. You You got to go. Um, anyway, and then at that point we just continued partying and having a great old time. So I think, um, I, I gotta think the one that blew me away was getting to see, um, the Pat Metheny group at the Uptown Theater. Oh, wow. I yeah. I think that had to have been probably 96 or 97. Okay. 
something like that. Full 10 piece, you know, it's Lyle Mays, the whole thing. Um, I, I just was like, this is unreal. This, this to me is completely mind blowing. I don't know how these humans are doing this, you know, and, and had gotten to see shows like that since then. Like I got to see Paul Simon when he came through with his like eight musicians that all played 10 different things. And those multi-instrumentalists, their mind, I, I, it's just so impressive to me. Yeah, because I know how hard it is just to even do one thing well, and those guys are doing you know fifteen things better than I could ever even dream of. Yeah, it, it true, it truly is mind blowing. Yeah, for sure. So you know, you've been at this game for a long time. What do you like the best about being a professional musician? What gets you out of bed? What gets you motivated to do everything that you do? I mean, there's so many factors to that. I I I'm an ensemble player. I love performing with other people. Um, I think it was kind of a mind blower during the shutdowns that, you know, a large portion of me was not to happen. And I didn't know if it was going to happen again. And it, and it kind of dawned on me how much of my identity is tied to being a musician. You know, I, I've always considered myself um, a conservationist. I love the outdoors. I'm a political activist. Um, and, and those are the things I thought were my identity. But when when music was like straight up not happening it, it kind of dawned on me that I too am a musician. I am a bass player and I just missed playing with other people. You know, I mean, Willie said it best. I, you know, play music with my friends. I can't wait to get on the road again. That That's yeah. so, it's so meaningful to me. Um, I, I love performing in front of people. That's great. Um, but I think of, of the three elements, practice, rehearsal, performance, I love rehearsing the best because I know a, I'm collaborating and I'm a natural collaborator. That's, you know, what I've done with, with so many different artistic projects. And B, I know once it comes to the performance that we're ready. We are, we are putting on a professional product that people are giving up their time and their resources to come enjoy. And I know that we're ready to go. So what was the one stage in Kansas City that you growing up looked at and said, I wish I could be up there one day and play on it? kind of be speckled by it. You finally have had the chance and you did play on that stage. What was that dream that was realized here in Kansas City? The Midland Theater. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've played there probably five or six times now. It, I, it is, it's just iconic. It's so beautiful. And to see so many amazing things. You know, when I was growing up, it was more just just the ballet there. But then, and you know, I just I just was fascinated by the building and then finally got to do it. And, and uh, it's just, even to, to today, I... If somebody calls and oh we're doing it in the middle i'm like perfect great yeah. i'm there you know you load in right off the street it goes right on the stage everybody's always super nice and super helpful there's green rooms there's dressing rooms it's just a professional facility yeah and it, it always sounds great and it, it just you look out and it's magic you know i've, I've performed on both kaufman stages um it, that wasn't here obviously when i was growing up um we did uh the lyric theater um yeah. we did uh the quixotic uh, what was it? Symphonic Quixotic. That was kind of my baby. Um, we we sold out two nights at the Lyric Theater, and I spent like a year of my life working on those ten orchestrations for that show. That was that was quite special. But I I, got, I still think that there's just something magic about the Midland. Yeah. So what do you like the best about being a part of the Kansas City music community? I don't know what I like best, but I know what I've liked seeing, and I, the the evolution of it has just been incredible. Um. It, it just keeps evolving and I keep meeting new people and I, 
having lived here my whole life, I just never thought that would be possible just to keep meeting people. And lately people are moving here to play music. I never thought that was going to be a thing. You moved yeah. somewhere else to go play music and you don't move to Kansas city. Yeah. And now you do apparently, <laughs> you know, yeah. I wasn't, uh, didn't really see that one on the, uh, KC music scene bingo card. Yeah. I will say, um, kind of what I tell, you know, people from, you know, I travel all the time. I've traveled, toured all over the country and people are always asking about it. And, uh, I, I will say Casey has all of the scene and none of the industry. Uh, you know, it's not like Nashville. It's not like LA. It's not like New York, but even that I feel like is starting to shift. There are more commercial opportunities here. There, there is seemingly more, uh, you know, session work and that sort of thing. And I really think it's just based solely on the internet. Yeah. You know, I, I think being where you are, it still matters. It just doesn't matter quite as much as it once did. Yeah. If you if you're good and you put your stuff out there, you're gonna get found. You know it. It, it just it, it really kind of is that simple now. There's a democracy to all of it. You know, I mean, if you're good, it's like anything. If you're out on the web and you're doing a good thing, people are going to be flocking to it just the way it works. I mean, there is a mystery as to how the whole viral thing happens, which is just kind of the mystery of being on this planet. But at the end of the day, you know, there is definitely um, the court of public opinions pretty, pretty steady about how they're going to extol the virtues of people that are good or not. You know, I love that. Yeah, I love it. I, I think it's just, it, it just, you, you decide. Oh, like, I love this or I don't love this. And that it, that's, it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. So for the, for the purposes, especially of what we're doing here on neon jazz, I want to know, why do you love jazz? <sighs> There's so much I loved about jazz. I mean, so many of the great records, you know, I, I love, God, I love so many things. I love, I love the early stuff. I love Django Reinhardt. I love, you know, so many amazing Miles Davis recorders. I just, you know, I don't, I haven't seen as many incredible jazz artists as I'd like. It, to me, I, well, I don't get to see a whole lot of music, for one, and, you know, and I have to kind of choose those battles. But there's just so many incredible recordings. And and I love the history and I love the the connections that they all had and like how these, these compositions were written and created. I love the Tin Pan Alley stuff, like Urban Berlin, man. I, you know, all all that. I just, I, I just think it's fascinating, like how huge the genre is, if you will. I mean, some of it, I mean, so much of it was just pop music, yeah. And then it became tunes that people just improvised over, and um, you know, I like the the pedagogy of it too. Like, I never like I didn't get it as a kid, but like seeing it through college and then like teaching it myself, it there's a method and it's not just like freewheel and play whatever you want. Like the best players, like they're saying something they're, they're telling a story through, through their solos. They're not just like ripping out licks and you know, Ooh, look how fast I can play or whatever. They're, they're extremely musical. Yeah. So speaking of live shows, if you could get into a time machine and go back and see a live jazz show anywhere, with anyone where are you going wherever ray brown's playing yeah i i man he he just blows me away with his sound his time his feel i i i would love <laughs> to have seen that man who else 
Of course, I'd love to see Django. Yeah. You know? Um, Art Tatum. Yeah. I, it, to see Art Tatum would be unbelievable. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, list goes on and on. Huh. No, that's good. You got a good slice there. I may join you for a few of those. That would be wonderful. <laughs> uh, can we can we go see Cannibal? Oh yeah. While we're at yeah. it, yeah, we're we're gonna have a we're gonna punch our ticket. We're gonna have all kinds of things on there. Passport. Cool. You let me know, and I'm getting in that time machine. That's right. So at the end of the day, Rick, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I'm a guy who loves music. You know, and I've designed my life around getting to perform. You know, I have many, many things that I do. Um, but ultimately, it's to protect my gift, my gift that I get to share and that gift that, you know, is a blessing to me and and hopefully to others. And um, yeah, I just like playing the bass. So if anyone wants to find out about upcoming shows, anything in your world, anything that's going on, where's the best place to go? Always my Instagram, Rick W okay. Music. You know, anything I do, I posted like story or a post or whatever. It's all up there. Cool. Rick, this has been great. I'm glad we hooked up. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the music and best of luck. Enjoy the holidays, man. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Kansas City and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Rick for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.